to be back and uh this is the return man you know it's a, it's a it's a slow off season it's a slower off season than what we're usually you know what we usually expect but uh yeah baseball is gonna come back and we're gonna be ready for it yeah i'm doing good happy to get back in these topics talking some baseball definitely miss talking baseball every week but the holiday seasons are here baseball's in its slow time and uh with no winter meetings in person man it sure is a lot of slow news out there but we'll get into it absolutely look if you guys here listening to this this is just a catch-up episode, right? So we've been gone for, for a little bit over a month. And in that month, not a lot has happened. You know I mean, we, we don't feel a reason to, to just hassle you guys every week without any kind of news. So this episode is literally to catch you guys up with anything that's happening in the MLB. Well, as Nick mentioned, things are pretty slow. So it's not like, you know, we, we don't want to give you guys fake content. So everything that we're doing today is stuff that's happened. And we'll just continue with that. As news progress and if news starts getting faster, you will hear us on here a lot more frequently. But till that point, we're just going to enjoy today. We're going to enjoy the season that the offseason that we've been having. And hopefully it livens up a little bit. And, you know, to start us off and the reason why we have to start off with this is because it's absolutely historical. First time in sports history, I believe. I, I know it's the first time in MLB history, but I believe it's also the first time in the history of all major sports. You are correct. There it is. All right, cool. So the first time in all major sports that we have a female general manager. Obviously, this is the highest position that someone has had from the that you know that is female. Uh, and obviously, we're talking about Kim Ang. She is now the GM for the Miami Marlins. Obviously, she has ties with Derek Jeter. She was in a, a New York Yankee assistant GM from '98 to 2001. Pretty good years there. Had, you know, two or three World Series. Uh, she was also the GM, an assistant GM for the Dodgers from 2002 to 2011. She started her career off in the Chicago White Sox, uh, what's it called, the, the Chicago White Sox team. Uh, she was the assistant director of baseball ops. And she has spent the last nine or so years working as the vice president of baseball operations for the MLB. So definitely an opportunity that has been earned and it was it was a long time coming, man. I know we'll, we'll get into this right now, but some people have a way shorter route to get to that GM position, and we're just happy that she's able to do it. Marlins have a great young team, so I know we're excited, man. But Nick, how about you start us off, dude? What did you think about this, and how how exciting is this, man? It's very exciting. I I am over the moon for this one, um, just because there's so many great baseball minds out there that are female and. When I played college baseball at Chico State, I, I would just talk with the softball players, not, you know, to get at them, but just to, like, pick their brains, especially the ones that were good. And they had a good softball team. So it was, you know, there's a lot of good brains out there. There's a lot of good minds baseball-wise. You don't have to be a man to play the game or to know the game. 
And I think her mind is just exceptional when it comes to baseball. Her track record of being with the Yankees and being with the Dodgers is just, to me, there's not a better fit. And the fact that she has history with Derek Jeter, he knows her at, a, at I mean, almost every single level. So both professionally, personally, you know, everything about it just screams success. And with the step that the Marlins took last year in making the playoffs, you can say whatever you want about the COVID tourney it being a 60-game season and them getting in because of that. Regardless, they made the playoffs, even with expanded playoffs. They made the playoffs. They're there. They're, and they went from the worst record in the National League to making the playoffs. And now they're adding someone who has been through the gamut of great teams. And we're not just talking about the Yankees when they were not so good. We're talking about the Yankees when they were winning. We're talking about her time with the Dodgers when they were winning. So she's on teams that win. She's got the best track record you could possibly imagine. And the fact that it took so long from a baseball standpoint is definitely annoying. But from a personal standpoint for her, I think it made her stronger. It made her more resilient. And I think she's just going to go in there and she's just going to just wreak havoc on MLB. Really look out for the Marlins to take some huge steps here in the future to be successful. Be successful for a really long time. There it is, man. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's super exciting. And I want to chime in with this, too. Like, the last few years when the MLB winter meetings were live, I, I was fortunate enough to attend them, uh, you know, Vegas and San Diego the last couple. And you can see just in those rooms the increasing influence of, of females in the game. You know, uh, it, it's not easy to do those kind of networking events for anybody, right? Even – even if, if you are a male, right, it's hard. You're, you're, you're out there, you're hoping to make connections. And, you know, now more than ever, you also have these, these females trying to break into a game who, look, they know it's not easy. So, you know, someone like Kim Ang does a great job of just having someone to look up to, you know, having footsteps to follow in, in that department. So uh, absolutely great. Yo, Rob, what do you think about this and our, our, our former uh, Yankee mate, Kim Ang? Yeah, it's a it's a super great hire for the Marlins. I, I think I said it when when they hired her. She she has a track record, man. This isn't a person who is getting the uh, job off of pity or getting the job, you know, just to just as the uh, publicity stunt or anything like that. This is a person with decades and decades of experience. Um, for her to be a female, it's it's obviously a, a great accomplishment for her. But you know. Like you said, she she sets a great example now. She the perseverance that she had throughout her career, all the BS that she probably had to go through. I mean, I would imagine that her time as as an executive in, in the major leagues has probably been a little easier in the last couple of years. But I mean, when you have a career that long of just decades, decades, a woman in a in a world that historically has been seen to be dominated by males, um, I'm sure she had to go through her fair, her fair share of BS and. Uh, I feel so happy for her, man. I'm really just so happy for her that she fi she finally got her shot. Because if we're being honest here, Kim had interviewed for, I think, at least five GM positions since her time with the Yankees and was never offered any of them. And I think she is definitely someone who was deserving of one of those positions. I think we've seen a lot of franchises in recent years have general managers who have not met the standard 
there have there there are better candidates out there. There are better candidates out there, and it's finally time to to you know have a female in that position, a female who also did not you know not just because she's a female, but she also deserves the role. Um, like you mentioned, she's a champion. She she her family moved to New York when she was younger, so she's a New Yorker. She has those Yankee ties um, from being the assistant GM with the Yankees as well as working with Joe Torre while on the Yankees and Joe Torre as well when Joe Torre was with the Dodgers. Um, so she, I mean, I mean, how much better can you get, right? She's, she's literally been a, a top executive for two of the biggest markets, the Yankees and Dodgers in the entire MLB and has spent most of her career thir- I think 30 years or something, right? Like in the MLB, she knows the ins and out. I think she's going to do a great job. It was a great pickup by the Marlins. Um, and I think she's, I think she's going to set, set them down the right path. I think the Marlins are a team that's faced a lot of uh, I don't I don't know if turmoil is the right word, but, you know, just a lot of, of back and forth with with the death of Jose Fernandez. And then when they traded away Stanton and Yellick and Ozuna. And I think the Marlins, as Nick pointed to, even in a shortened season, they did make the playoffs this past year. So I think they're a team that I'm not going to sit here and say that in a full, you know, 162 or, or whatever season they, they end up making the postseason this upcoming season. But I think they're a team that's in a way better position than people thought that they were in. And with a GM like uh, Kim Ang at the at the helm, I think they could do great things. Yeah, and look, it's it's another big step for baseball, right? And you know, I I mentioned before being being lucky enough to attend the winter meetings the last couple of years, and baseball now more than ever is looking for for different ways of hiring people, right? So I I think it's, it was the the GM for the Tigers or or baseball ops operations guy for the, for the Tigers. I, I forgot who it was. Um, basically what he said is, well, he's first of all, he used to work at Amazon. So that's where his background is, right? He's like the super smart techie dude who, you know, everyone here has heard of Amazon. If you're listening to this, you, you've probably heard of Amazon, but the way that baseball is hiring now, they're thinking a lot more outside the box than they've had in, in years past. Right. So, you know, we were hearing stories about how they even look for people like philosophy majors, right? Which is supposed to be like the biggest joke major in college and things like that. But basically what I'm trying to get to is they're looking for different avenues, different ways of thinking about how to make not only the sport better, but make individual teams better. Right. So, you know, I think it was long overdue for, for, for Kim Ang, but you know, I think this is going to lead the way for, for a lot more people, to continue getting positions that we haven't really seen before, which is, which is super awesome for the MLB. And I'm sure more sports are, are going to follow. They, they, they have to, it's, it's 2020, right? Like it, it's, it's going to get there slow, slowly, but surely, but let's move on from, you know, history being made to someone that should probably have state history, but it isn't doing a really good job of that. And we're talking about Tony La Russa. One of the big signings this off season was uh, the news that Tony La Russa was coming out of retirement and going to coach the Chicago White Sox. Now, a little bit controversial. I know everyone didn't really like Renneria in, in Chicago, but is La Russa the answer? And, you know, straight, straight, out ask, straight out ask it, is Chicago better or worse for this Tony La Russa hire? And, and I'll go ahead and start with you, Rob. I'm going to say I'm going to say they're worse. I'm going to say they're worse. And, and to be honest, it doesn't really have to do with uh, where I could see their team heading in terms of what their record might look like. I think that 
Look, I think if you are a team like the Chicago White Sox that have the amount of talent that they have, at least right now, right? I mean, you're talking about you're talking about the reigning AL MVP in Jose Abreu. You're talking about a uh, batting champion from the year before in Tim Anderson, and then Juan Moncada and Giolito and Jimenez and Luis Robert and all these guys. Look, the amount of talent that they have is is flat out disgusting. I mean, they're one of the most talented teams in baseball right now. I think that talent is going to get you to a certain standard, no matter who your manager is. I'm not saying it's going to get you to a postseason standard, but I'm saying with that amount of talent, you're going to win a certain amount of games. And then you get, you know, the manager kind of adds on to that. Right. So I think Chicago might end up in a good positioning, even with Tony La Russa as manager. But I think all the negative attention that's going to be drawn to them, that's already being drawn to them because of, you know, the Tony La Russa DUI and then. Um, you know, the the racism comments that that people had and things like that. I think the negative attention that they're getting already should have been enough for them, right? Because like we all talked about, they were in on AJ Hinch. They were in on AJ Hinch. And even though I have personal opinions about guys like AJ Hinch and Alex Cora being managers in, in MLB again, like if you're in on a guy like AJ Hinch, then sign a guy like AJ Hinch, right? Like he... Yes, he will He will also have his fair share, right? Because I'm sure if you sign A.J. Hinch, there's going to be questions about the Astros scandal and things like that. But, and I'm not here to judge people, but I'm, I'm assuming the majority of people would probably go down the route of A.J. Hinch might seem like a more decent kind of guy or a decent human being in this sense. I don't know. I'm not going to make that call. But then you have A.J. Hinch end up in the same division as you with, yes, a far lesser team, but, you know, a team that can build, right? Like the Detroit Tigers have a good number of pitching prospects like that that are going to be coming up to the major leagues. Like I'm sure they're going to, you know, develop some hitting prospects, make trades, make acquisitions. Like A.J. Hinch is a guy that can lead the Detroit Tigers forward, right? I mean, you're 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 already down. I mean, the Tigers are what the, the worst team in that division, fourth, like either fourth or fifth. Like it doesn't really matter. They're not they're not one of the top three teams right now in that division. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I think the White Sox can can still win games, but look, at the end of the day, this ended up being their owner being in love with Larusa and not really caring about any of the baggage that he brought. And long term, I mean, we'll see how long he's in Chicago as manager, but I, I do see it as something that could end up hurting the Chicago White Sox. I'm glad you brought up AJ Hinch too, because that, that's something that wasn't as loud because, you know, Tony Russo is a Hall of Fame manager. So whenever he comes up, that's kind of going to take the headlines. But A.J. Hinch, who's also a famous manager for uh, other controversial reasons, he got that job in Detroit too. And, you know, that's obviously a wait and see thing. But the one thing I do know about Detroit is they have a great farm system right now. They are in place to make some noise, if not next year, then the year after that. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how A.J. Hinch and – that kind of uh, team goes. I, I don't love. I don't love the hire. You know, I, in in my personal opinion of uh, of AJ Hinch, just because you know it, it was proven that his team won the World Series by means that were less than fair to everybody else. And I and I think I think that that took a real shit on the sport of baseball and the integrity of it. You know, granted, maybe I'm just super kind of old school in my mentality in that, but. I don't know. I wasn't super happy about that hire or the Alex Cora hire, uh, especially since both those guys are getting chances before someone like Carlos Beltran is. But we'll we'll save that for later. 
Uh, Nick, what do you think about the Larusa hire? And yo, and go, and go ahead and, and you can chime in on, on AJ Hinch too. So real quick on AJ Hinch and Alex Cora, I knew it was going to happen. It's just a matter of time. So whatever. I I knew as soon as they got their one year suspension, and then when COVID, the shortened COVID season happened, and Manfred didn't say anything about their suspensions, that it was just a matter of I mean literally next year. Like what? There's no punishment there. But again, another topic, another subject. But since I knew they were both going to get hired soon, I knew it was going to happen. I was pretty sure it was going to happen right away. Nobody was going to keep him out of the league. So I, I'm not going to cry over spilt milk there. As far as the Tony La Russa, uh, Chicago White Sox fans, I hope you're ready to win a couple World Series over the next decade because let's not forget that Tony La Russa ran pretty crazy Oakland A's. Uh, I'm not mistaken, he managed Ricky Henderson, pretty big personality. Jose Canseco, an even bigger asshole than a personality and still a big personality. And as quiet as you can be, but still a big personality, Mark McGuire. I mean, this guy has managed personalities. And that is really the only question in my mind. Is he going to be able to manage a Tim Anderson? Is he going to be able to manage an Eloy Jimenez as he gets into his own? Is he going to be able to manage a Yuan Moncada? Not from the baseball side of it, but from the personality standpoint. And yes, I believe he can. Now, he is much older and he's bringing baggage. But you know what? What's what's Chicago without baggage? Let's be honest. I mean, you got to bring all kinds of clothes to Chicago. You don't know if you're hot, cold, freezing, smoking hot. You don't really know what's going on. So I think this is a great hire. And I've heard so much stuff around him being old school and this is a new school team. And I love all of Rob's points. And they're they're really spot on. And I've, I, I just look at it from the other direction is that Tony La Russa is already a Hall of Fame manager. And yes, this is absolutely, to Rob's point, a love affair between Jerry Reinsdorf and wanting to get Tony La Russa back onto the team in a good light instead of what happened before. And I think it's a great hire. I mean, I don't see the only way that I see this going bad, and literally the only way, is if the most vocal guy on that team, Tim Anderson, somehow doesn't like playing for Tony La Russa. And to be honest, I don't see how that happens because Tony La Russa's got the past to be, of being successful as a manager. He's worked with plenty of players from all walks of life. And I just, I get the feeling because I've asked the question before, why is Tony La Russa along with other managers that manage in the steroid era? Why are they so popular? Why are they so revered? And everybody hates the Barry Bonds, the Mark McGuire's, the Roger Clemens. These guys manage these players. I know they knew what was going on. Maybe not to the level that they knew what was going on, but there's no doubt in my mind that Tony La Russa knew exactly what Mark McGuire was doing the entire time he was doing it. And he still learned how to manage with that baggage and all of the negativity that could go with that and put a better product of baseball on the field for all of his teams. He has never been an unsuccessful manager in Major League Baseball. He's won multiple championships and he's going to go into spring training in the season. Everybody is going to have his ear. Or sorry, everybody's gonna he's gonna have everybody's ear. And what I mean by that is even the players that might be skeptical because he's old school, they're still gonna listen because of his track record and his success. And then you have the players that are just totally bought into old school baseball, like, man, this is Tony the Russo. You gotta be kidding me. I'm gonna do whatever he says. So I think this is a great hire. Were there better hires a la an AJ Hinch? Possibly. But in this particular instance, I think Tony La Russa, being such a quiet guy in the media over his years, 
And with all of his experience, I think he really knows how to talk to individuals as well as a team. And I think that's where his success comes from is he can have a team, you know, a team dialogue, a team meeting, you know, he can run his practices, he can manage the games and he might get somebody who doesn't feel like something was right and have a one-on-one conversation outside of the team and really pull them back in and see where they're coming from. And that is a talent that not a lot of managers have. I don't think AJ Hinch has to be specific to that example. And so I'm really excited to see what happens. I would be super shocked if the White Sox don't win a couple World Series over the next decade because I think he's going to be there for a long time. Wait, Nick. Nick, quick, yep. quick uh, just question for one of your points because we're looking at – and then we can move on from, from La Russa, but I, I just want to address this because we're looking at La Russa from two, two sides of the argument, right? So yeah. I'm looking at – things can go bad. And Real things bad. can definitely go go good, like because I agree with the go good thing, right? I think I think I think when you combine, um, yes, Larusa probably has a, a better championship pedigree than than a guy like AJ Hinch, right? I think both of them could get the White Sox to where they want to go, based off the talent level that the White Sox have, right? But if we're going off of Larusa and and what you pointed out in his time in Oakland, what I'm saying is. You said he managed big personalities, right? Ricky Henderson, Jose Canseco, for sure, for sure. Not questioning that. What we have in Chicago is what happens when potentially the biggest personality on your team is the manager? Like what? Because, because again, we're not talking about like, like if if we talk about Tony La Russa's DUI, right? We're not talking about, hey, remember when Tony La Russa used to drink and got that DUI? No, we're talking about the DUI that he just got in February of 2020. Like, I, I'm sh- I'm sure that being a uh, MLB manager, like he'll be, you know, try to be on his best behavior and things like that. But I'm just saying, just to throw it back at you, like I'm just saying, there are certain uh, scenarios like that one, like the the racist comments that have been brought up before. Not saying that he's going to do that now, but you know, with 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 that thought in the back of your head of you're coming to a team with uh, African American and Hispanic players, um, so a lot of different scenarios that could happen with like you said a hall of fame level manager i'm just saying he he can be good at at managing big personalities but in chicago right now and of course we all agree here like a guy like tim anderson is it should probably is the voice of that of that franchise right now his personality but absolutely but but, you know my thing is what do you think happens if la russa turns out to be the biggest personality on that team I think it's gonna be better for the team, to be honest with you. If if because La, Larusa's done this, this this is old hat for him. There's nothing new. That's nothing is gonna come up to him that's new. So if he's the biggest personality on the team and he takes the spotlight away from the other guys who can just go play ball, man, that's awesome. And the thing that I'll for sure for me is I, I really when I sat down and thought about this when he got hired, like Tim Anderson, Ricky Henderson, they're not the same player. So I'm not saying that. But from a from a vocal standpoint, from a personality standpoint, they're pretty close. I mean, Tim Anderson doesn't speak in the third person, but I'm pretty sure he thinks he's as good as Ricky Henderson was. And Ricky Henderson knew how good he was. So I think LaRusso is going to come in and the one on one conversations, I think, is what's going to really do it. Because I'm pretty sure Tim Anderson has got his mind like, man, I've heard your racist comments. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you here? And right. But at the same time, I think he's seen like, man, Ricky Henderson would have popped off if this guy was truly a racist. Like, if that stuff was real to this guy's core, and that's who he was, 
I'm pretty sure we would have heard about it from Ricky Henderson. And yeah. Tim Henderson, as much as he is a pop-off, that dude knows the history of the game. I've listened to him a couple times on interviews, and I've li- I've read a couple of his you know stories and tweets and stuff like that. He really does love this game, and he studies it. So I think there's a lot of respect that's there, and I it's a great question, and that is the fuse to the bomb if there is one is really Tim Anderson, but I think right. I think Tony Roos is going to come in here, and if he's the biggest personality, I think it only helps the team because of all the personalities that are there. If your manager who knows how to deal with that is the biggest one, man, you got it made. And we're talking about his DUI versus Tim Anderson's bat flip. Go play a ball, bro. Go have fun. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. We, I mean, we keep mentioning Tim Anderson. I think that's going to be the key, right? I think if you if you win over Tim Anderson as a, as a manager in the Chicago White Sox, with the Chicago White Sox right now, then yeah, you you probably bring the rest of the locker room with you. So yeah, I mean, yeah, let's hope, right? Let's hope that, that because we don't know what that interaction or that relationship between La Russa and, and a guy like Tim Anderson uh, is or could be like. So, I mean, it could definitely take a turn for 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 the worst or or it could yeah. be, you know, a great thing and the White Sox can be World Series champions. So it's, it's either going to be a six-month implosion or a 10-year run of success. It's going to be <laughs> right. crazy. It's, it's yeah. not going to be in the middle. They're not going to be a playoff team five <laughs> over the next 10 years. That shit ain't happening. Right. <laughs> Look, I, I, tend, I tend to agree with Nick on this, right? And I know we're kind of like the minorities in this opinion. But, look, having an – uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna say he's an alcoholic, but having a manager who's you know been found to have a, a DUI or two that's across so, multiple decades, by the way, like that. That's so baseball. Like, does it get any more baseball than that? Right? Like, I, I don't know if it does. But anyway, look, I, my my the larger point for me is like this is a person who's done it before. He's done it with personalities. He's done it with with different types of personalities. Right? Like, yeah, I remember this guy. Look, he. He's coached the greats like Albert Pujols, right? Like, I know he's one of the people we didn't mention. Bingo. Yep. But he's coached that, right? Like, Adam Wainwright, he was a big, you know, he knows how to get through to a team, right? Drinking aside, I think that just makes him more human. I mean, you don't have to be a goody-goody two-shoes to fucking play baseball. You know, to be honest with you, if you spend time with these guys day in and day out, you'll probably find a lot of people that you probably wouldn't want to hang out with in your everyday life. Let's add in a person who gets DUI every once in a while. It happens, man. These people are people. Look, about his racist comments, stuff like that, Like that, that that's an issue that they're going to figure out on their own, right? I, I I don't know how big of a deal that is. I, I really don't. Look, I, I I just don't, personally. But I think... Hey, random, random tangent that uh, I thought about the other day. You know, baseball games typically play at 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. at night. They get there... I mean, the early guys get there at noon. The later guys maybe get there at 2 or 3. But... I mean, what person works a job every single day, five to seven days a week where they're in their, let's just say worst case scenario, 3 p.m. until midnight every single day for eight months? We don't. So the, all the bad stuff that comes with that, a la the drinking, the partying, whatever it may be, they're all a part of that in some situation. They all have their vices to handle because that schedule sucks, especially when half of the time you're away from your family at minimum. Man, that sucks. I think that you're right. That human side of him just brings him closer to everybody that's in there in a different way. Yeah, and and you're absolutely right. Look, if you've, if you've played baseball in any stage, you know what I mean? Like, even going back to college, 
that schedule that schedule is rough on you. And now these guys are doing it professionally. It's it's a whole different thing. Look, I, 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 just keeping it on the field, he's been he's proven that he's a great manager, right? I don't think the whole errors really matter that much. If anything, I think he he boosts a team like Chicago who needs to continue what they're doing. They need guys like Tim Anderson to keep making contact. Because if it's something we've seen is that, look, that, that's kind of coming more and more into the game slowly. It's, it's not going to be a turnaround, right? You still have guys out here hitting 150, vying for the starting first baseman job in some places. But, you know, it, it is what it is, man. Look, we, we keep it to the White Sox is going to be real quick. But some, some other big White Sox news, look, they, they traded for Lance Lynn. Nice move. He, he had a great COVID season. I think that that's exactly what that was. It was a COVID season where he faced nothing but the, the AL West, which, granted, their offenses are pretty good. So, so that was kind of, you know, th- that's a lot better than if he faced nothing but the AL Central. But So that, that, that's a nice move for them. At the, very, at the very least, it gives them a second or third option. They're pretty deep as it is, right? So maybe even a fourth option, depending on how well he does. Uh, other thing that Chicago White Sox did this weekend is Adam Eaton. They signed Adam Eaton. He was uh, formerly of the Washington Nationals, had a big uh, playoff run with them the year they won the World Series, which feels so long ago, but was literally just last year. Uh, guys, these are kind of, I'm not going to say insignificant moves, but they are moves of some big-name players, or at least mid-to-big-name players. Uh, Nick, I'll start with you, man. Does this have any impact on what you see in Chicago? Do you think this makes them better in any sense, or does it? put them above anybody else than they might have not been last year? I don't put them above anybody else they weren't above last year. Does it make them better? Yes. I truly feel Adam Eden is going to be a depth piece. They are, I think the White Sox are going to get a good outfield free agent. And I know we're doing that a little bit later, so I won't name any names right now. I'll name it later. But I think Adam Eden is purely a depth piece. And man, is that a good depth piece. Along with him coming back to Chicago... Um, he, I think he wants to prove something there. I don't know why he would sign with them if he doesn't want to prove something in Chicago, uh, specifically with the White Sox. He's got a championship pedigree now after that. So I think this is a great move only because he is not their starting center fielder or right fielder. I truly feel he's going to be, you know, moved all around the outfield just to give their outfielders some, you know, rest air or whatnot. So yeah, this is a great move in my opinion. Awesome, man. Yo, uh, Rob, what about you, man? Any, any big takes away from this? Yeah, no, I, I agree with Nick. I think I think there were moves that definitely make the the White Sox a, a better team. I think a guy like Lance Lynn is someone who I look like as a somewhat of a Charlie Morton, Charlie Morton light. You know, like he he's a guy who essentially has resurrected a part of his career in his time in, in Texas, and and a guy who definitely carries more value as a starting pitcher in the league than he probably did maybe three seasons ago. But I don't know if he's going to be a complete difference maker for the White Sox. I, I still, I still don't think that the White Sox have an ace outside of Giolito, and I would still like to see a little bit more from Giolito. Like I, I still wouldn't consider Giolito like a like a level A ace. But yeah, he's definitely Giolito is definitely the guy that's going to lead that that rotation. And then you know having a guy like Lance Lynn and Dallas Keuchel behind them, it definitely adds more stability, more reliability to their to their rotation. And yeah, anytime you had a veteran like that, like it, it's definitely a good move. And in terms of Adam Eaton, like Nick pointed out, they're they're definitely looking at some other options as well. But I, to be honest with you, Adam Eaton might end up starting for them a little bit at least to start off the season because 
it he's essentially going to round out their outfield with Robert and uh, Jimenez. A lot of their other options, if they don't acquire an outfielder, Adam Eaton's probably better than them. So uh, yeah, like it to me, it's interesting that Adam Eaton's going back to the White Sox. And if you think about it, what did the Nat like? Am I wrong here? But did the Nationals gain anything from the Lucas Giolito trade? Because I thought Adam Eaton was like the main piece of that trade, but I might be wrong on that one. But I think they yeah, got a World Series title. I'm not really sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, well, yeah, I think they got a but, ring. But I'm just saying, in, t- in terms of like prospects and things like that, yeah, like the ring makes it better. But uh, to me, I laughed when I saw Adam Eaton go back to Chicago because I was like, it, it kind of just cancels out that trade. Like if if Lucas Giolito was in, in Chicago his whole entire career, so that was just a little funny to me. I agree with you if they if the White Sox win a ring, but as of right now, the Nationals absolutely won that trade. Even though yeah. he, and oh, I, no, no, no. I laugh, I laughed too when he went back oh, for sure. I just what yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Like when I saw Adam Eaton sign with the White Sox, I was like, it took me back to like when he was with the White Sox. I'm like, I didn't feel any different. Like like his time with the Nationals almost didn't exist to me. I'm like, hasn't Adam Eaton always been with the White Sox? Like kind of deal. Like uh, for some reason, he's like one of those guys where I always just attach to like a certain franchise. Yeah, look, Adam Eaton, great, great player who I believe is going to be a very important role player. Uh, I see him playing f- four to five days a week, and he'll he'll give guys a day off. He'll he'll be in the outfield days that you know Eloy might DH. You know, we'll we'll see Adam Eaton a fair amount. Uh, he'll he'll be there. He'll be their fourth option, but he'll rotate in pretty regularly, kind of uh like you've seen Brett Gardner with the Yankees and Chris Taylor with the with the Dodgers. That kind of player who's really consistently in the lineup, but isn't necessarily a starter per se. And then with Lance Lynn, you have, look, I hate saying this. Look, Lance Lynn is a great player to have for 162, but he's not necessarily somebody I want in the mound in a playoff situation. Like, I think he'll get you three innings, and hopefully in those three innings, you're not, you know, too far off. You know what I mean? You might be able to give you some more than that in the playoffs. I don't necessarily see him as an impact arm like that. So for me, it's one of those, like, Cool. You know what I mean? If you're a team like the White Sox, it helps you stay in front of the division, which is kind of what you want from a guy like Lynn, in my opinion. I just I just don't have him in high-end situations, typically. Let's stay in the AL Central, just because apparently this has somehow turned into our AL Central show, mistakenly. But uh, another big name that signed was Carlos Santana. Uh, we had a really quick discussion about it before we got on air here. But Carlos Santana goes to KC for two years. A little head scratching for much, but you know, Rob, how about you start us off, man? What, what, why did you think that this that this move was kind of a, a little bit head scratching for you? Yeah, I, I think it was definitely one of those moves where I think it was head scratching for me because I look at the player as a whole and not as a sample size of a sixty game season which was part of the reason why I didn't want to like buy into the season to begin with, because I I knew things like this would start to happen. Like, look, I understand that, that teams are going to have their uh, reservations when it comes to finances and things like that, with everything that's been going on with COVID. I'm not going to deny any of that. Like, sure. You're going to see, you're probably going to see in terms of total dollar amounts, you're probably going to see lower contracts than, than we were probably expecting for some of these guys. If we were, you know, under normal circumstances, but look, a guy like Carlos Santana just signed a two-year deal for $17.5 million. Let's let's round it up. So let's say it's $9 million per year uh, average. That dude, that's low, man. For the type, for the type of player that he is, and and 
I know, I know Daniel can get into it because we had a little bit of this discussion before. So I know he has his opinion on it, but for the type of player that he is, I mean, look, 2018 was his best statistical season, literally almost in every offensive category, like home runs, RBIs, hits, batting average, OPS, total bases, like slugging, dude, every, like almost every offensive statistical category in 2018 was his career high. And they were good numbers. I mean, we're talking about 34 homers, 93 RBIs, hitting 281. Like, yes, he's not the he's not the best contact hitter, but you're essentially paying a guy like a, a caliber uh hitter, that caliber of a hitter, nine million dollars per season, coming off of 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 his career year. Yes, he did hit 199 in 60 games in 2019. I understand that. I'm not saying he had a good 60 game sample. But it does make me question who his agent is, because that's why that's why we were discussing Scott Boris a little earlier. Like, man, Scott Boris would have gotten Carlos Santana at least 15, 20 mil a season, probably because Scott Boris just knows how to hype up his players, whether they're worth the money or not. Like, I don't know, man. It might have something to do with the agent. It might just be how the market is sitting right now. You brought up a really good point about how he might end up being a potential trade piece, which I agree with. If he does end up being a, a potential trade piece for Kansas City and they move him to a contender and get prospects in return, dope. It worked out for them. But I'm just saying, if you're going to put your name on that dotted line for that amount of money, yes, you hit 199 in 60 games last year. But in the full, the actual full season before that, where you played 158 games, was a career high year for you. I'm just saying, and you're coming off, of, and you're just coming off 20 million dollars a year. I'm getting more than nine million dollars for you if 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 I'm supposed to be some type of like you know, high level agent. That's, that's just my opinion on that. Yeah. Look, and, and there's a lot of sides to look at it, right? So if you're called Santana, you know, part of the equation is that you play a position that I, I don't want to say it's super replaceable, but look, first base, you know, contrary to popular belief is probably one of the positions that you can get into a lot easier. You know what I mean? You don't have to be fast. So you don't, you know, you're not worried about the outfield. I mean, catchers are a very specific position, so it's not really something that you're going to go and, and do after a long time. So first base is one of those positions where if you can catch the ball and you can be at least okay defensively, you have a spot. You know, you know as long as the bat's playing, you're, you're going to be fine. So I think that hurts Carlos Santana more than, more than it doesn't. You know, the second thing, too, is he's – He's not really a, a player that people are, are, are super high on all the time. He's, like I said, he had a great 2000, uh, 2019. I forgot what year it was this year. He had a great 2019 where he had those career highs. But with Carlos Santana, it's always kind of been a roll of the dice, right? He's had years where you can see how talented he is. But he's also had years where you're like, hmm, I don't know. You know what I mean? So especially with last year's kind of uh, dip in production, even though it was the 60 games, I would have liked to see him sign for, for $10 million. I'm surprised that he got a multi-year deal. You know, I, I, For me, that's more surprising than him signing a one-year deal at this point in his career for, for a little bit more money, right? So for, even though the overall contract of like one year for 12 would overall be less money, obviously the, the yearly average there is higher. So I thought that he'd be doing contracts like that at this point in his career. And he very well, well, well might. You know, I, I kind of compared him to a guy like uh, what's his name uh, Nelson Cruz out of out of Minnesota, where at this point he's he's kind of living off one year deals, you know what I mean? So he might turn into that kind of player. 
I don't know yet, right? Maybe he has maybe he has a great season this year, and he can he can legitimately help a contender. But hey, Nick, what do you think about Carlos Santana to Casey? So, quick question, but correct me if I'm wrong. His last contract was signed by the Phillies, and then the Indians trade back for him. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Three years, sixty million dollars with Philadelphia. Gotcha. And then so, they trade him to Cleveland, yeah. Yeah. The reason I asked that was so he didn't get. He got signed after he went through a couple years of leading the league in walks. And that's what you get with Carlos Santana. He led the AL in walks last year. The only person that walked more than him was Bryce Harper, who is, I mean, it's he's not Barry Bonds, but that's the closest thing to Barry Bonds since him. So what you get with Carlos Santana, and by the way, I'm a Carlos Santana fanboy. And our previous guest on here, Chris Murphy, as well. This dude is, he's got a great eye. He's not going to swing and he doesn't, what he doesn't want to swing at. And he is a terrible hitter, but a great eye at the plate. And what I mean by that is he knows the strike zone very well. And when it's in the strike zone, he doesn't do a good job of putting the bat on the ball. And that's why he can go from hitting 281 with 35 bombs to hitting 199. And it's it's an interesting sign for me because I'm surprised he didn't wait for a contending team to sign him. I was really shocked that he went to the Royals. From the royal standpoint, yeah, I think it's absolute trade bait. And I wasn't in the earlier conversation before we got started, but I think it's absolute trade bait for the royals. They just paid a guy that's worth fifteen million a year, seventeen and a half over two. So they just basically like got a year for free out of this guy, which is crazy to me because he's totally worth fifteen a year. And to Daniel's point, yeah, it might have been for just one year. Let's see what happens. But I mean, if Carlos Santana comes out in 2021 and we have a regular, a full regular season. Everything is, it's obviously not going to be normal, but in the baseball world, if we have a 162, if he starts hot through the all-star break and he's hitting even three, if he hits 300, if he hits 250, his on base is going to be 400. And with the guys are going to be hitting in front of him in Kansas city. Cause the problem with Kansas city is they don't have a lot of depth, but Mondesi has a lot of talent. You got, um, I can only think of his name, number 15, Whit Merrifield. He is, he is. I mean, he's led the league in hits, I think, two out of the last three years. So he's got a lot of talent in front of him. He's got a lot of numbers he can put up. And if he starts off hot, the Royals could get a lot back for him because his contract is nothing. So I was shocked on why Carlos Santana did this in so many levels. I thought he would go to a contender as an on-base guy, but... You know, it is what it is, and they got a discount for sure. It's trade bait, for, in my opinion, for sure. I can't see – there's no way Carlos Santana plays out this entire deal there because he's worth a lot more, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and look, I think part of it, too, is we have to va- we have to see it through evaluators' eyes at this point. And, you know, I, I didn't watch a lot of Carlos Santana last year. Even though the, the Indians got hot at some points, he really wasn't a name that was kind of – flying off the screen, right? So I, I saw a few Indian games, and I, I don't think he lost anything or anything like that, but he was a lot easier to get out than than he should be at this point in his career, right? So, again, I'm not a talent evaluator. I, I, just, I just saw what I saw with my eyes, but we could also see a point where maybe people think that his swing started to slow down a little bit. And when that happens, those walks might start coming down just because Nick mentioned it, right? He's not great when the ball's in the zone. So if you don't have to worry about that anymore, he's going to get a lot more people to challenge him. And it's going to depend on whether he's healthy, 
whether he can catch up to those pitches. So there's, there's a lot of variable there, right? Maybe maybe he does just turn it around, plays the 162, and absolutely crushes it. But, you know, that, that's what makes baseball fun, right? We'll, we'll see when we get there. All right, so we, we, we've kind of got to the fun part of the show. And by the fun part of the show is when we talk absolute nonsense because we know absolutely nothing about any of these players or where they're going. And we're going to go ahead and, you know, we're not going to predict where these guys are going. I mean, Nick, Rob, if you guys want to go ahead and shoot a prediction out there, you can. But I want you guys to tell me where you want these guys to go, right? So, you know, I'll start it off. Right now the biggest name free agent out there is Trevor Bauer. Uh Rob very appropriately shared a Bauer shower uh, post this this morning, so he's he's on it. But Trevor Bauer, right? What team do I want to see Trevor? Oh, other thing, you can't pick the Yankees, Rob, and you can't pick Pittsburgh, Nick. You have to pick other other teams, right? So for me, Trevor Bauer, I, I think he makes perfect sense with with the Los Angeles Angels. He's from that kind of area, you know what I mean? He, he it's where he grew up. He went to school in UCLA. To me, it makes sense. They need a true ace, something that I think they've been missing for a very long time. I think it's exciting. So I would like to see Trevor Bauer with the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, Nick, where would you like to see Mr. Bauer? I would like to see Mr. Bauer in the Miami Marlins. Oof. Spicy. I like it. Big name signing for, for A right off the bat. That'd be pretty cool. Rob, what about you, bud? Okay, first of all, Trevor Bauer, I would definitely love to see him on the Yankees. Like, well, that, like we, we need pitching. We need pitching. You said you but, can't do that. You, no, 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 no. I'm going to give an answer. I'm going to give an answer. I'm going to give an answer. I'm, I, those are my real emotions. But now if I'm going to put the Yankees to the side, guess what? I'm keeping him in New York, and I want to see him on the Mets. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's simple, right? It's simple. Even though I don't want to give too much thing, look. Look at it this way. He's not the real ace if he goes to the Mets. But he'd still be a solid number two. And you're in New York, so you get to compete with Garrett Cole. Even though you say things are cool with him, like, I know deep down, like, that competition is something that Trevor Bauer would look forward to. Yo, look, we, we just got to mention it because you brought something up, and this happened really early on in the offseason. But, yo, Mets have a new owner, by the way. And he is absolutely ready to get things started. He is not holding back. Uh, what's his name? Steve Cohen? He's active, like, he's active, yeah, Steve Cohen. He's active, like, every single day on Twitter. It's awesome. Yes. It, so New York fans from the from, from Queens, get excited because at the very least, at the very least, you're going to have action. He's already fired half the people that ever worked there. So, and his wife is Puerto Rican, so he, you know, he's guaranteed success. Puerto Rican, <laughs> so he's guaranteed. Hey, real, real quick, crazy stat that I saw about the Mets. Their entire pitching staff, the entire, all of them pitching staff is at minimum six foot two. They have a six... Mm-hmm. Nine, a six, eight, a six, seven, two, six, six, three, six, fours. That isn't that that team could compete with the Knicks. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> yeah, that hurt. <laughs> that hurt. That hurt muscle. That that's not even like completely lying. That they, they probably are the favorites for the best rotation basketball tournament that's happening. <laughs> they, they might even beat the Jets in football. I know they got more size. <laughs> Oh, I'll talk about the Jets because we want to keep this a, a good clean shot. I'm like, yo, can, can the Mets win a title in their own sport first? Like, can, can we get them to win a World Series first? Yeah, just get Bill Buckner back on the Red Sox. Yo. Uh, I mean, hey, if that's what you're going to take. Shots fired. Yo, I'm just saying. Next guy and, and one of the guys that I love just because, 
he's a catcher, and I love catchers. So that it's that simple, man. Like JT Realmuto, what do you guys want him to go? I'll start with you again, Nick. I don't want him to go anywhere. I want him to stay right where he's at. I think he's a great fit. Um, but if I have to choose a different place, um, I, I'm I'm gonna go. Man, you know what? He's the one guy I really haven't thought about a whole lot, to be honest with you. But just to be fun and be spicy, I'm going to say San Diego and put him down there, give him the big-name catcher. I know they made some swaps at catcher, but they got a good young pitching staff, and with the way he receives the ball, and he's he's a quiet leader, it seems like, from what I can tell. I think he'd be good down there. Yeah, no, I, I can see that, man. What about what about you, Rob? Yeah, man, JT Romuto is going to end up on the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, he, he is going to give them the number one catcher for their franchise's history. That way we know who the number one guy is going to be next time we have to do an all-time Blue Jays team. Like they'll actually, yeah, I already drafted him by the way, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, JT Ramuto is going to be the number one catcher in Toronto Blue Jays franchise history. That's my prediction. <laughs> oh man. Look, uh, I, I know we said we can't, we can't say the Yankees, but that would absolutely be like my dream there. I, I rather oh, it would be. Dude, it would be amazing if everybody ended up on the Yankees. <laughs> when we take a break, no rules. Yeah, no, dude, dude. Like Nick said, I'm about to be spicy. I'm about to be spicy with these picks. Like whatever. Like you said, where we want to see them play. Look, even though I'm sending him to a rival, it's whatever. I, I want some of these teams to get good. Like because that way, when you beat them, it's even better. So, so here's the hard part with JT Ramuto, right? Because it, I think he's deserving of a big contract. I, I think he's deserving of. Uh, I want to say MVP caliber, but he, he's deserving of a very big contract because he is the best overall catcher there is in the game right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, he wants six years. Yeah, he, he wants six years. He's at a good age for it where he'll be, I think, 36 at the end, end of that contract. So it wouldn't be too bad. You still have guys like Yachty playing. So here's what I'm going to say. If, and this is a big if, if for whatever reason Yachty doesn't resign with the Cardinals, mm. I think JT Ramutz is a great person to bring in there. That's, nice. That's a pretty young. Oh, but, you, but you sneaky, but you sending Yachty to the Yankees, aren't you? Mm. Don't worry about what I'm doing with Yachty. You don't, sneaky. Don't worry about Yachty. No, Yachty's going to the Blue Jays. <laughs> oh, God, no. No. <laughs> no. Yes. No, not that one. Not that one. Yes. You need to take Ramuto. He's better. <laughs> no, but look, I, I think, look, they're going to have to fix that. A six year contract that's right in their window of where all their young guys are. You know, he he's in, he's not technically he would be an upgrade over Yachty in certain aspects of the game. So I, I don't think it's anything crazy. I think that's what that kind of team needs financially. I don't think they do it because they do have uh, a lot of money tied up in guys like Goldschmidt, and they're gonna have to pay some more guys. I think Fowler's still on his long contract that he was on when he originally signed with them. So there's issues there, but I don't know, man. I, I think I think it would be a good transition, right? Like you. The catcher spot is such a good spot to have a cornerstone of your franchise. So for me, it makes sense for a team who's had a great catcher to transition to like another one. All right, man. Like this, this, this next guy is uh, I don't want to say controversial because I, I, I kind of like George Springer, but George Springer, man, what do you guys think he's going? I'll start with you, Rob. Ooh, oh, man, because I had a, I had a team I had a team in in my brain where it's like it's where I think he's gonna go, not necessarily where I, I want him to go. Mm. Or oh, where do you want him to go? Let's let's put where do you want him to go. I'm sorry. You know what? Again, I'm gonna keep things spicy. He's gonna go to the Red Sox. 
Red Sox. There we go. I, I can see that. That's that's not the craziest thing I've heard out there. Yo, what about you, Nick? I'm glad you asked this as where do you want him to go? Hmm. And to my previous allude earlier where Adam Eden signed as, in my opinion, a backup outfielder. Man, throw that dude on the White Sox, yo. Are <laughs> you that kidding point, me? At that point, then yes. Adam Eaton yes. will be a backup. We'll be a backup. I mean, Are you kidding me? We There's arguments all the time. Who is the best outfield in baseball? There is no discussion if they sign George Springer. Pay that man his money. Get him on the White Sox. Play him wherever you want in that outfield. But you're going to go Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, and, and George Springer in the outfield. And you got Adam Eaton. Coming off the bench, I'm doing air quotes over here. Man, get out of here. That that's gross. That's where I want him to go. Just shut yeah. down the outfield. That'd be disgusting. All right, man. Look, I'll go. I'll go Nick's old team. I think he'd be a good fit for the Giants, and I'd like to see him with the Giants. He's, you know, the one thing the Giants really don't have right now, at least in my opinion. Not and look, I'm not a Giants fan. Talent. Well, ta- <laughs> talent is up there. I mean, <laughs> but they also they also don't have a personality, right? They don't have a persona. Like, Buster Posey, as great as he is, he's kind of a silent leader to the outside world. I don't know what he's like in, in, in the dugout or, like, he's, he's, like, in the locker room. But he's not kind of like that that vocal guy, right? He's not like your Tim Anderson, right? He's not like your Aaron Judge who who makes a conscious effort of being the voice. Granted, I don't think George Springer would go in there and be the voice or anything like that. But he's definitely a personality, which is something that, right now, San Francisco doesn't really have, right? Like, what is San Francisco's personality? We have Johnny Cueto. There you go. You have Cueto, you have an aging superstar catcher, and you have an up-and-coming catcher. So, look, George Springer, you put him in the outfield, let him make some make, let him make some plays out there for you, energize that ball that ball club that, you know, they, they're a 500 team. So if you keep adding pieces to that, eventually you get over that threshold. So we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. All right, man, look, next guy, this guy is, the, this guy is pretty controversial just because – he was top three in the MVP voting just a year ago. But I think if you're someone who watches enough baseball, you'll see that as kind of like a fluke. I I, I thought it was a fluke. You know what I mean? I, I definitely didn't see him getting anywhere near close to that. And uh, But Mark, Marcus Simeon is a guy. Uh, Nick, where do you think Marcus where – where would you want Marcus Simeon to go? Ooh, where would I want him to go? So I'm a, I like Marcus Simeon. I've liked him ever since the White Sox. So I am – I am a fan of his. I think he has been very underrated for a very long time. And then he had his top three MVP season. And now all of a sudden he's a bust. I, Where would I like him to be? I would like him to be back in Oakland. I think he's a good fit. I think that city, that franchise is what helped him with his success because it it's so low key that no matter what mistakes he made or what successes he had, it was never really in the public eye a whole bunch. So I would like to see him back in Oakland. Okay. What about you, Rob? Dude, word for word, the same thing. <laughs> like, like genuinely, like, and that, and the, same, and the same reason, because I think in Oakland, he, like, like Nick said, like the things are so much less amplified that, realistically he gets lost in that Oakland lineup right like he's not going to yeah. overshadow Olsen he's not going to over overshadow Chapman even some of the other Oakland hitters Loriano like you know like guys that are hot like he's not really going to overshadow anyone I don't see him having a repeat like that level MVP season like he's a good player don't get me wrong he's not top three MVP guy consistently absolutely not but again he doesn't have to be in that Oakland lineup so yeah I'd like I'd like to see him stay right where he is 
All right. I, so, look, so here's my contention with Marcus Simeon. I would like him to change positions. I, I don't want him at shortstop because I, I, I really – he's gotten better. He's gotten better every year, but he's still a below average shortstop in my opinion. Uh, defensively, I mean. Defensively, I think he's, he's a below average defensive shortstop. So when I think of where I want Marcus Simeon to go, I would want him to go to third base, wherever that place is. And, you know, kind of thinking about that, there's there's a lot of different options, right? I I would like him to go to, to, to a contender. So I think a place like Atlanta, if they didn't have Austin Riley there kind of as, as the guy that they want to put there, I think that might have been a decent option. You know what I mean? You still have Swansby at short. Maybe you know. Maybe you get to a point where there is the nat, the the DH for both leagues, and and you can't have him there because I, I don't think he'd be a bad option at DH either. But you know, I, I really don't know. I I can see him staying at a quiet place. Maybe maybe the Rangers. The Rangers are an up and coming team. They're they're a team that can probably use the experience of a guy like Marcus Simeon. He probably will end up back in Oakland. I think they appreciate him more than anybody else will appreciate him. And I, whether they do that financially or not. That, that's that's up to that's up to them, but I don't know. We'll see, man. Let's stay at the shortstop position, and we'll go. Uh, one of Nick's favorite dudes, Andleton Simmons, man. Where do you think? Where would you want him to end up? The Giants. It's easy. I think he's a perfect fit there. Brandon Crawford's at the end of his career. As much as I love Brandon Crawford, um, I just I would love to I would love to be able to go watch Andleton Simmons play baseball. It's just personal. I mean, nothing else. I just would love to go watch him play baseball. Often, I live close to San Francisco. All right, man. What about you, Rob? Dude, let's send let's send him to uh, Nick's current team. Let's send him to Pittsburgh. There you go. go. I couldn't say Pittsburgh, so I had to go with a different yeah, one. I'll send him to Pittsburgh for you. I, I, and and again, I mean, a veteran Pittsburgh. Let's be honest. What does Pittsburgh have going for them in terms of, you know, like title aspirations or anything like that? We already know what the what the deal is with their owners and things like that. They're not going to spend crazy amounts of money. A guy like Alderton Simmons is not a guy that you necessarily have to pay crazy amounts of money, but you get elite-level defense. You're not going to get a, an elite bat, but, hey, elite-level defense, Pirates don't really have anyone who who is, like, superstar power outside of, like, Josh Bell. So, yeah, why not? I think it might be fun. Mm, all right. All right. I, I, I can't complain. I like I'm not. I'm not even gonna say where I want, where I think, where I would want him to go. Uh, just because he's one of these players that is a little weird for me. So instead of telling you where I want him to go, I'm gonna instead ask you guys this question of keep bench or of start bench cut. I'm sorry, start bench cut. And we we hit on it a little bit on the website. So if you want to watch like our full reaction to that, look on SAW's uh, Facebook group, and that's kind of a lot more played out. But Andrelson Simmons, Didi Gregorius, and who did I just mention? And Marcus, Marcus Simeon, Andrelson Simmons, and Didi Gregorius. Start one, bench one, cut one. Uh, Rob, I'll start with you. I am going to start Didi Gregorius. I'm going to bench Alderton Simmons, and I'm going to cut Marcus Simeon. All right. Pretty straightforward, man. What about you, Nick? So am I the GM of the team, or am I a fan of the team? Because it does change my answer. Let's go as, as a GM. I'm starting Anderson Simmons. I'm benching D.D. Gregorius. And I'm cutting Marcus Simeon. Okay. And, yo, one more thing. Nothing against Marcus. Because I know people who listen w- could make the argument that, yes, if you are talking about one particular season, Marcus has had the best statistical, 
you know, season. Like if you finish top three MVP, that is something that Didi and Alderton probably will will not do at all. Yeah, if we're being for the honest. Yeah, if we're being honest. But the thing about it is too, like I pointed out before, Didi to me of the three is the most balanced player. He gives yeah. you defense and he gives you hitting. So if, yeah, if and if you want to start him or bench him, either way, he has to be on the team. Like he's not the guy getting cut. And then the thing about it is with Aldrington, at least I know that I am consistently getting elite defense, right? Like I know I'm not going to get his bat, but at least I know I can consistently get elite defense. Whereas Marcus, it's like you might get some defense. You're not going to get the defense level of Simmons nowhere near. And you could get like a really good hitting season or you could get a very average hitting season. So at that point, it's like, why risk average hitting, maybe even below average hitting and like average fielding where you can at least guarantee elite uh, fielding. And then potentially, you never know if Simmons does hit 260 a year, you know, who knows? Yeah. The other thing with that too, with Didi is like, he he's better defensively than Simeon. So not yeah, only oh, you're getting, sure. yeah, I mean, not only getting a bat that realistically in the right season, a la Marcus Simeon two years ago, he could pop off. I'm, you're right. He's not going to get a top three MVP, but nobody ever saw that on Marcus Simeon. I, and I like Marcus Simeon. I, I'm a fan of his. But for me, I mean, if I'm a GM, like Andrelton Simmons is the GOAT defensive shortstop. He is better than Ozzie Smith. And that's saying a lot, a lot, a lot. But he gets to more baseballs. He makes the routine play more smoothly. And he makes the difficult play look easier than Ozzie Smith. He is the best defensive shortstop in the history of the game. And if you're a GM and you don't take that on your team, because all things considered, nobody's much younger than anybody else. And that like, let's be honest, you throw Angleton Simmons on the Mets, the Marlins, the White Sox, no offense to Tim Anderson, but you throw him on a team with an up and coming pitching staff, like you, it's almost like you give them an extra two to three outs a game because of what he does and the mistakes they can make. And if you give young guys a, a confidence level of just throw strikes and I got you, man, the sky's the limit for those pitching staffs. It's crazy. Here's, here's where I kind of, uh, so I'm the only person who's not cutting Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon it is, is sitting on the bench for me. I have Didi Gregorio starting for me, and I'm cutting Angelson Simmons. And this is based purely on the fact that for me to actually utilize Simmons the best I can, I would need so much around me to make that work. You know what I mean? So, for instance, I'm, I'm a big believer right now that the thing that you probably need the least of, or you need at least the, the, the least consistently, is. Uh, gold glove caliber player on the infield I, I i love my gold glovers in the outfield right because we put the ball in the air so much now that if you have if you have guys that can track those balls down that's awesome on the infield though the one thing we've seen is there's been a decline in double plays there's been a decline in ground balls hit there's been an increase in shifts which makes makes it so that i need less range in my infield aka i could probably have uh, throwback to Johnny Peralta playing a shortstop and being super good at it. But because of where I see the game at right now, and don't, don't get me wrong, look, it's, it's super frustrating to watch some of these guys play play shortstop. Uh, like Gleyber Torres, I, if it was up to me, he'd never look at shortstop again, and we would just have him literally somewhere else. So, but 
he hits he, he hits for, he hits for power, so he kind of gets away with it, right? With Simmons, it's one of those things where I know the offense isn't coming, right? I know I know the defense is going to be there, but I also know the offense isn't coming. You know I mean, with, with, with Simeon, I, I hate his defense. I absolutely would rather look away than see a ball hit to him. I think he is one of the ugliest fielders. That like you have smooth fielders, and then you have guys that make it look really hard. He makes it look really hard. Uh, and then, you know, Didi's just all around, right? Like, I don't think Didi's ever got a guy that's going to be a top three MVP conversation like Simeon was. I don't think he has that kind of offensive upside. But I also don't think he has the same kind of floor as Simeon either. So, I don't know. That, that's why I'm, go- I'm going I'm going to go with uh, Didi, Simeon to bench, and, and uh, what's it called? Simmons to cut. But, it, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's also preference too, right? So, we'll see. All right, let me ask you guys about one more outfielder. And then we're pretty much almost out of here, right? When that outfielder is going to be Ozuna. Where do you guys want Ozuna to land? And I'll start with you, Rob. Well, I'm going to say Atlanta. I think I think it's a it's a similar situation to uh, to uh, Simeon in Oakland. I think Atlanta was a very good fit for him going from the Cardinals, where you know he had that big season in Miami, then didn't really you know live up in in St. Louis, and then had a big season in in Atlanta. Um, so I think Atlanta, man, I think they have, they have, I do think they have a hole to fill in, in the outfield as well. I, I did see they let go of uh, Adam Duvall. So I think the spot is there for him to take. And I think he should definitely uh, consider staying there if the offer is good enough for him. Hotland. All right, yo, what about you, Nick? Anything American League. So the bro can DH because that outfield defense is K horrible. <laughs> Anything AL, I don't really care what team. But if you want to get spicy, let's let's double up on the White Sox. Let's go Yankees. Let's let's put in the outfield there. Yeah, dude. Yeah, let's give everybody the Yankees, man. Those are, those are the real answers. Like, what are we doing here? The Yankees have enough players that don't deserve to see the field. Um, <laughs> for me, uh, look, I think Ozuna would be a great fit with the Mets. Uh, you know, especially if they if they get the DH like going him. eventually. You know, I think he's one of those guys where. He's not a big enough name where there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. He can kind of still play, but he kind of fills the gap of what people expected Cespedes to do, right? Like, I don't think I don't think is going to be one of those, like... Oh, man, don't mention Cespedes and Ozuna in the same sentence because Mets fans are about to have PTSD, bro. Cespedes <laughs> is about to get cut so far that you got to find, like, a you know, you just, Yo, you just soured all Mets fans on Ozuna by matching to get with Cespedes, bro. Oh, look, look, all I'm saying is I think the production you get from Ozuna... Is going to be something that's a little bit more unexpected, right? He's not going to have that same kind of pressure because he's a lot quieter of a player. And, you know, I, I do believe that the MLB will go to a full-time DH for the NL and AL sooner than later. So if you sign him, let's say, to a four- or five-year year deal, you know, odds are more than half that contract he'll be playing in the DH position. Uh, you know, plus, you know, I think that the Mets right now are an imperfect team because their contracts, the way they're set up, don't really align with what they want to do. So Wilson Ram, Will Ramos, whatever, the catcher, his, he still has a little bit of time on that contract, right? So for me, it doesn't make a complete, a whole lot of sense to bring in somebody like JT there just because, you know, you're going to have, what, 12 million, I think it's a little bit more than that, sitting on your bench playing the same spot. Granted, obviously JT is the upgrade, and, you, and I would absolutely do that in a heartbeat. But it, it's a lot of money to have as your backup catcher. You know what I mean, and then Ozuna is just a guy that he's proven in and out that at the very least he's a consistent power threat, which is again, it's kind of what is going around the league right now. So you know, that, I don't know. Plus, it'd be nice for the Mets to, to have some some nice people. All right, man. Look, before we leave, just one last start bench cut, and that's because I saw this on Instagram. 
before uh, we got on here. And that's going to be start, bench, cut. And I'm pretty sure we probably even did this one already, but it's, it's uh, Alex Bregman, Nolan Arenado, and Manny Machado. Rob, you get to go first, bud. Uh, oh, start Arenado, obviously. Um, and I'm going to bench Machado and cut Bregman. Oof. Spicy. Yeah, what about you, Nick? Start Arenado. That's pretty clear cut for me. <laughs> yo, uh, yo wait, I took a pause and then I said, wait, Arenado? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the best yeah. baseman in baseball? Yeah, start him. Yeah, I mean, let, yeah, let's, let's be real here. There's He's my favorite player in the game right now. There's no way that's not happening. Um, I'm going to bench Bregman and I'm going to cut Machado. And the only reason for me is Machado was just so inconsistent, both with playing and attitude. If it was, If he could be... If I liked his attitude more, it would he would be my bench, and I would cut Bregman. And that's no shot at Bregman because y'all know I like Bregman. Yeah, with, but with me, Bregman, it's it's ninety nine point nine percent personal. <laughs> I'm not even. Yeah, I'm not saying Bregman. I'm not saying Machado's better. I'm just saying. I'm I, I didn't ask any questions for you. I knew yeah. I, when he said all three names, I knew exactly how it was playing out. I'm yeah. surprised you paused. To be honest, yeah. that's But Bregman, Bregman is on my bench only because to me Machado is so inconsistent. And but from a, I mean, talent standpoint. I, Machado could compete with Arenado from a talent standpoint. That boy got some game, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start Arenado. I'm gonna bench uh, Bregman. I'm gonna cut Machado. It's a perfect transition because you know who I'm starting. I'm starting Machado, and nice. <laughs> and then I'm gonna bench. You're wrong, but nice. Bench Arenado, and I, bro, I would I would cut Bregman thrice, but. <laughs> if you only had Bregman, 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 you still cut right, him. Daniel was about to come in here with like the mad spicy take of being like, yo, I'm starting Machado, I'm I'm benching Bregman, and I'm cutting Arenado. Oh my god, that would hurt my soul. This this show would be over. Look, look, look. Man. I said it before, and I'll keep saying it. Yo, I really don't think Bregman is as good as most people think he is. I'm not saying oh, he's a bad sure. player. For sure. I, I, just, I don't either. I don't either. I, I'm I don't either. I wish I could. My thing is this. I wish I could shit on Alex Bregman more than I actually can. You get but what I'm saying? Like, I wish, that good. Yeah. I wish he, I wish he was that bad of a player. Like I really do, but the dude is good. I'm just saying, I agree with you as well. I don't think he's as good as he gets hyped up to be sometimes. But again, like with this particular ranking, I'm not saying that he's a better player than, than Manny Machado. I mean, really? he's definitely not a better player than Nolan Arenado. He's not. Um, and yeah, but he's getting cut. <laughs> we had a sixty-game sample. He played about half of those games because he was going through injury. But he had a you know a bit of a decline in his numbers, right? When it, when you sat it out for sixty games, he did have numbers that wouldn't have met what his average year is, right? I think that trend continues. Do I think that he absolutely turns into just a mediocre baseball player? No, I think he'll still be good to great. I don't think he will ever be in the MVP conversation again. Like, I'm sure he will win the MVP next year and just completely shut me up. But I, I just don't think that he has that kind of talent, personally. You know, with Machado, you know, I think if Machado had a different head on his shoulders, he would be a top five baseball player in this game. Like, you know, Nick mentioned the talent, and there's nothing that Machado can't do. Other than 100%. Other than stay on his, on his loony meds. But, um, yeah, and, you know, I think, I think with Arnado, I think there is some stuff to be said with, yeah, you know, how much does Colorado help? He, you know, he doesn't care. He's getting paid regardless. He's going to put up his numbers regardless. So, for me, that's not really like a huge factor. But I don't know, man. I, I, I just, I've always had an affinity for, for, for Manny. But yo, that is it. And look, I'll be completely honest with you. I don't know when's the next time we're going to talk to you again. 
we will not be here next week if there's no baseball news. You, you do not need to hear our voices like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's hope one of these big guys, one of these big uh, fishes uh, ends up signing somewhere for, <laughs> you know, early Christmas present. If you don't hear from us next week, we will more than likely be back in January. This was kind of like the update episode, right? So we're back tentatively. We're not full go yet. You know, once baseball starts heating up again, you'll hear from us back to our regularly scheduled programming. But for now, look, we hope you're having a great holiday season. I know things are a little bit weird with COVID and everybody isn't sure about literally everything. But hey, man, look, have a great Christmas. Hopefully you can get spend some time with your families. We'll catch you guys later. See real quick, you later. Before we're out, real quick before we're out, I got a one of the greatest players of all time, maybe the greatest ever. There's an award named after Roberto Clemente. The winner this year was Adam Wainwright. And from everything I've ever heard, seen, read, anything about that man, he is absolutely deserving of it. So congratulations to Adam Wainwright winning the Roberto Clemente Award. And if you talk to players, that it might be the most prestigious award in all of baseball outside of MVP. Boom. Do you have any shout outs, Mr. Roberto? Oh, no. Uh, I, I'm just agreeing with, with Nick's shout out. I mean, it, it, it should be looked at as one of the most prestigious awards outside of MVP. Um, you know, even it, it's one of those where you're looking at more of the person, not necessarily statistics. So, yeah, definitely a good, a good award for him to win. Awesome, man. Look, and people, baseball is closer than you think. Typically, this is the winter meetings. And this is kind of where when things start kind of ramping up a little bit again. So be on the lookout. We'll be we'll be back on regularly scheduled programming sooner than you think. But until then, you'll catch you guys next time, and we hope you enjoy everything you have going on in your life. Peace.